for all the people listening right now, my encouragement would be take some time to get alone, just just to break away from all the noise and really just sit down and say, who do I want to be in 2019? Who, 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 what did I not like about myself? Who knows me enough that can give me the insight to help me grow? Welcome to the Photo Report, where we have conversations with top-level photographers and other people in just the freelance economy where you are creating for a living. I am Braden Flynn, your host, and today's episode is with Mike Larson, who is an amazing photographer, shoots a lot of film, shoots some digital stuff as well, has been dubbed as the private estate photographer. So just in terms of branding, we talk about that, and it is good. We go deep on philosophy. We go deep on life, we go deep on photography, and I think you're going to dig it. So here it is. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you real quick about our sponsor, Film Supply Club. If you shoot film or you're interested in film, love film, it is the best place to get it at the best prices. An amazing community of some of the top photographers in our industry. You can check it out at filmsupply.club slash join. Now on to the show. Well, cool. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming on and just sharing your wisdom with everybody. But will you give a just intro into who you are and how you got to where you are? Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on the photo report. Yeah. So my real brief story, you know, I've always been in photography since I was a little kid. My parents gave me a camera when I was 12. And we traveled around Northern America, Mexico, like all over traveling. And I started shooting with my little film camera loving it and started making money actually at an early age doing some fine art landscape inspired by Ansel Adams and Galen Rowell, the late. And he, uh, those people really inspired me. And I used to like hate people in photographs. I would sit there and you know, somebody and wait forever. And then one tour bus would go and there'd be like one person left and I'd see another tour bus coming and I'm like, no, pre-Photoshop. <laughs> I would like take a branch and try to like move it like a stick to like block people out you know, in the foreground with, so anyway, that, that's where the passion started. And, um, you know, I did a fundraiser for Habitat for Humanity trip in 1997 when I was just a little teenager and, you know, raised a couple grand. And now, and people were telling me like, wow, you should do this for a living. I was like, okay, this is cool. Finally, someone asked me to do a wedding and, you know, I was like, I don't have to charge or whatever. You know, every, everyone has this story to some degree, but through time, I just started, things started to roll. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I remember working at a craft fair and I remember seeing people come up to my fine art booth. And after you see people for a while, you start to read body language and you start to really see like, are these people like, what are, are they going to engage? Are they not? Are they interested? Are they, you could pretty much tell who was going to buy or not just by seeing how they acted. And I felt like I had this couple year stint of these shows where body language reading became like huge for me and really gauging, like engaging with people. And it, I had a little book out of weddings and it was really fascinating to see people like, you know, you could tell what they're drawn to. So all this to say, like, I feel like one of the, the, the gifts that I feel like I learned, received in that time was just really reading people's body language and figuring out what they are, what they're all about. So that ended up actually making me enjoy photographing people. And so that kind of really flung me into the wedding and portrait world. And my business then just kind of took off. Obviously, film days, the post-production was pretty much nil. I would develop on Sunday after the wedding. I worked at a photo lab, and I would give them their photographs, and I was done 
on Sunday, I would just drive to wherever they were at. I lived up in the Bay Area. So I just, you know, that was it. So in 2003, uh, I ended up, I actually delved into digital in 97. I got my first little digital camera. In 2003, I got, or 2000, I got a Hasselblad. Loved shooting film, medium format. Um, I ended up getting, you know, into high, the full frame digital in 2003. Uh, and that was really cool. Enjoyed that. Ended up becoming a photo editor for a surf magazine. So I was shooting in the water, had like a water housing and shooting pipeline masters, traveling around, you know, all over the Pacific. And that was really cool. Got in, into editorial and really enjoyed just the, the lifestyle editorial angle, which I brought back into weddings in 2005, uh, 2004, 2005, met my wife. And we just became a dynamic duo. I proposed to her and I just told her, like, you are working with me because I cannot travel on weekends and you work weekdays and proposed to her in Maui. And so we've been kind of uh, a fun husband and wife force since then. Fast forward, yeah, four kids later and the business has pretty much been like going every year, it's 20 years-ish. And I'm just thankful that, you know, it's been... You know, it's it's work, but it, I feel like it, it hasn't been like, and we've had some crazy ups and downs, different things, but it's just rolls every year. And I'm just thankful for that, you know? So, yeah. And so you're, you live up in San Luis Obispo and you have sort of pegged yourself as the, um, private estate venue ish. Exactly. Yeah. The, the guy that shoots private estates and there are the private venues. How do you feel like you ended up getting that sort of title or, or description for yourself? Well, in brief, we ended up having a studio. So in 2007, we bought a commercial property and, and that was kind of the boom time for wedding business right before the crash. And, uh, we had five associates. We were doing a hundred weddings a year and we had a photo booth business that was doing a hundred, hundred events a year. And it was this huge operation. I had 13 employees and it was like a force like people in their area like actually hated like other photographers hated us. They said like because it, we they saw it as like you're taking business from us growing. When of course I, we ended up sending those photographers off and letting them do their thing in 2011. That point, I, Rachel and I realized we were on a trip to Egypt, two week trip for CEO International, and so we had no cell phone access on the Nile. And Rachel and I were just like, wow, this is we'd forgotten what it was like to not talk business every day all day. And we realized in that trip, we're like, we got to change some things. And then we found out we were pregnant <laughs> on the this little those little ships that go from the mouth. And we realized then we really have to change things. So we came back and we ended up disbanding, you know, setting the wheels in motion for a year and a half, dismantling of that. And at which point I said, you know, I really just prefer to do private estate weddings. Like I had a client that, that told me they, were, they were said, you know, I see these like cool, like outdoor, like private estate weddings in these hotel weddings and the clients point blank asked like, what do you prefer? And I was like, and I told him, I said, you know, I prefer the private estate weddings. And they're like, cool. We want that. They were, they were going to be doing that. So I, I realized I'm like, wow, people actually notice, you know, sometimes when, when a client tells you like, I really noticed this, you're like, wow, that's good to know. Cause sometimes we're doing our thing and we just, we, we were inspired by so much and we just try to duplicate or not duplicate, but we just, you, know, you see someone, someone's doing like, ah, do a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And it's just an entrepreneurial artistic mind wants to kind of like be capable and do things. You're like, can I do it? It's kind of a challenge. Okay, I can do it. And that's not always a good thing, even though maybe it 
helps our confidence level or whatever. But to do everything well in this earth, there's just, there's just too much. There's there's too many amazing places to go, things to do, to be great at all of them. You, you just can't do it. And you can't be a person that, you know, if you have, you know, you want to have a good marriage, you want to have family, some people, that's family. You want, you have your hobbies, staying in shape, doing whatever. Like, you just can't, like that whole bucket list theory of like, I'm going to do all these things. Like, I mean, I have, I have an anti-bucket list, actually. I created of things that I'm just content not doing. Like I really want to do it. Like scuba diving's one. I've got friends to do it. I'm like, you know what? I just, I, I just, am I going to be content with not? I, I if I die and like I didn't get the chance to scuba, I'm like, I've done it a couple of times. And I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, and that's helped me to have a real reality check of just going. You know what? Like I'm going to be really happy, really content, really joyful doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not going to have like this enviitis of like all this stuff that I just wish I could do that I can't because there's so much cool stuff out there. I mean, it's, this world is so amazing, you know? Totally. And I think there, there is an element, you know, there's a saying, jack of all trades, master of none. Totally. But then there's also, I, you know, I've, I've heard arguments that being a jack of all trades is a massive, like is a massive benefit and diversifying and all that. But I would say as a photographer, it's re- or I think whatever it is that your craft is, it's really difficult to become known as something if you're saying if you do everything versus right. like being that guy that does this. Like, oh, you need a private estate guy. The first thing that you think of is Mike Larson. So how like being able to brand yourself as a thing because that's your specialty. Right. Granted, and, you can- and one caveat, though, like the jack of all trades, if you're thinking like Jack Bauer, uh, MacGyver, like just to be able to like do stuff like. To, you know, you can just make stuff work like that kind of jack of all like fix it's of like minor stuff. Okay, that's different. But you're right. And it's, it was interesting because when I did do the kind of elimination of, you know, uh, all the other options, it was nice to cross to look, just look at the, you know, Rolodex, so to speak, and go, I just don't need to have, I just don't need to pursue everyone. You know, it's like being it, you just, you just don't need to. And so that was actually really freeing. And it also is nice because when you do become like specific at one thing, you kind of become the expert at that. So it's brought on a lot of like consulting jobs for venues that are like, Hey, what do you like? How, how do we make this, you know, you know, like how do we make this the best? What have you seen? Tell me how to design architectural landscape so that, you know, in the summer, like the light is aligned. Cause you know, you're, you're, you're a photographer, you're shooting somewhere and you're like, ah, this path is like, if it was just the other direction, let me just go in the weeds over here or like, you know, into the shrubbery to get the better angle. And it's minor, but first of all, problems, of course. <laughs> yeah. but, so that opened up those doors. And, and also it was crazy thing is that when you don't, when you're not trying to get all business from everyone and you meet with someone and you're like, yeah, I pretty much, this is the type of work I want. and I don't really want anything else. That's actually refreshing in entrepreneurial circles because it, it, you know, in a lot of the circles you run in, like, you know, the networking, whatever events, so to speak, or whatever level of networking at some kind of events, everyone's kind of like got their guard up, like, you know, like, are you trying to trying to get business from me? They're just thinking that, but it's like, no, like, this is what I want. And this is what I don't want. And if you fall in line with that, awesome. You know, if it works out great, it, I feel like it removes this barrier to access or barrier to relationships, because people don't feel like you want everything. And I think as an up and coming photographer, a lot of times you 
you kind of need every, anything. <laughs> so then if you need everything for like two, three, four years, that kind of evolves into you want everything in, you know, the years going forward. And then a lot of people don't ever get out of that. Some, a lot, a lot, you know, some do, but some just don't think, wow, like if I'm coming across like I need everything or I want everything, I'm kind of like either coming off desperate or coming off as if like something's wrong with my business or, you know, just a myriad of different things that that signal can send. Yeah, I, I think there is a little, it's, it's not a misconstrued idea, but I think it's the two polar ideas of being when you're established, but then also trying to get yourself established, like the just starting out versus just an already being here. And the, because there are like, I don't think emulation is great when you're established, but when you're first starting out, you sometimes need to emulate other photographers or other art artists that you like so that you can learn how to develop your craft. You sort of need to figure out, you need to say yes to everything you can because right. that's sort of how you start to learn like, oh, wow, I actually really love this or I actually really hate this, you know? And at, at a certain point, then you can start saying like, either you've I've got to get paid a whole lot of money to do this thing or like, I'm just going to say no to these sort of jobs because that is not what I want to be doing. Yeah. Well, you know, have you ever been to the uh, the History Museum in Florence, the Art History Museum? No. So it's really, it's a, it's, I definitely recommend going. It's an awesome experience. But going through there, we had a, my dad took me and we, he actually, when we went through, he hired this guide and, and you see the progression of art and you see the masters having like, they all dominated, they all like achieved a technique. And so they would emulate each other to like get this technique and then they would like push it further. And then you'd see like foreshortening and then like everyone got foreshortening and okay. And then it went to like, you know, different, the different techniques, atmospheric, you know, like another name, the atmospheric sensation or whatever, when it starts to fade off, there are different art, art techniques and you watch and they had it in the line and the art, the art history, they knew we were into art. And so they were like, walked us through how they did it. And it was fascinating to see they did, they emulated the technique and then like pushed into their own style. So I totally agree with you. I think uh, I think that's that's really really important, and it's I think it's freeing to, to tell up and coming photographers like, look, find the technique, and then find your voice, and because you're going to be more fulfilled in in that, and that that'll develop a process of just discovery of how to become better versus getting locked in like I I made that one image. I don't really know. I got lucky. I did it, but I don't really know the technique or whatever. Uh, it's better to you know go about it that that method um and pursuing excellence in that way so I, I agree with you in the uh emulation and of technique yeah i mean you think back in the day as well when you're talking about that sort of artist is there was actual apprenticeships and you had a student and a master yes. and you would learn from that master how this person did their thing and then you would finally become a master yourself and go out on your own and then you could take what that master did and and then go out and make your own craft. Hopefully it's, you know, sometimes they would be identical, but then the people that would stand out are the ones that are doing something a little bit more unique than, than the next one. Or, you know, it's like you look in the commercial world and most of that world comes around being an assistant and a second assistant and, you know, just a grip and you start to eventually move up to become first assistant. And you are, you are the one putting the lights up for this photographer and learning how they do it. Or back in the day, they used to have like the printer for Ansel Adams, you know, the printer for these different different high-end photographers and you would then learn their craft. So then, then you would go and take it and be like, okay, well he would light this way. What if I did this? And yeah. I, I think a little bit of that is lost. It's now everyone's looking at everyone else's portfolio and everyone's looking at everyone else's Instagram and not as, I mean, people second shoot, but I don't think there's as much 
it's there's such a low barrier to entry to just grab a camera or an iPhone and start shooting. And now you're a photographer that uh, I, I don't know. I think that it would be, it, there's a benefit to either going to school and learning art history or like having, having some sort of a background. So you have a, a route in what you're doing. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. And you bring up another really good point. One of our, we have mentors in a lot of different, different fields and business for sure family. We had a mentor that really helped us hone in on, you know, he pushed us in pushing towards the private estate route. And he called, he called it something that I'd never heard before. He called it heavy mental lifting Hmm. where you have to sit there and you have to push through the thought. Like if you're trying to go to the gym, you want to get stronger, you got, you're like, take that weight and you go from a 10 pound or 20 pound or whatever. And you want to get to 50, you got to like push through that. And there's like the push of trying again and again to try to like, you know, mentally thinking like, okay, I'm going to do it. I can do it. And you're going to fail and you're not going to do it. And you just incrementally grow in the same way. Like we need to use a think of our minds in that way too, of like, how do I push myself every day staying, you know, optimistic, knowing like this isn't going to come like next week, next year, but I'm like thinking long game. And, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I want to have a photography business that's going to support me for whatever, however many years. Obviously, we're not going to be like going down the aisle in a walker doing an editorial going like, eh, you know, with, uh, Hopefully not. Uh, so there, there's a, there's a lifespan, but if we want to be great at it, we have to have be taught. We have to have people that are chiseling us, pouring into us. And I think you mentioned with even with second shooters and assistants and the whole route of being subject to a master of a craft, I think our culture in general, this is a generalization, our culture breathes this, you made it yourself, you're an individual and you're isolated and you did it yourself and your success story or you're shy or you don't have the connection. So thinking of like a photographer, like you have to, it's an interesting balance of like, especially with weddings and portraits, you have to be like a great psychologically, be great at art. You have to be great at just like, you know, there's so many times where like the camera's just not important, like people and the relationships are. And you know, that the understanding of how to curate and how to present, I, I did a, a two, two year project with, this design interior designer that was doing like rentals. It was a, just a unique little French company. And I watched her, I would sit there for eight hours and I would watch her do the styling. And I was like, you know, she, they, there was this pair and these two ladies and they'd spend like 30 minutes. And I was like, ah, it's great shooting it. Great. And then we'd spend like six hours on that same scene, like making it work better. And I'm just watching this going, I'm just going to shut my mouth and watch because what I thought was good they had this like way higher level of what they were thinking into it. And that was a great experience because I realized it was, it was awesome to learn how to style, how to, um, how just to, to think, to not think, you know, it, but just to always be going, okay, can we do this better? Like what is, what is, and that's the same way of going from digital back to film. You're like, you just don't spray and pray. Like you, you know, I remember shooting like 13 roles. Like you're really methodical about what you got. You're like, I'm not going to just, if it's not great, don't shoot it. If it's not good, don't, don't do it. Like we like to host dinners for people. You don't have 15 steaks, just like lackadaisically, like try one. You're like, I got to make this perfect. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be, I want to be intentional about the whole thing, the whole process. So being like a budding chef, love to cook. Yeah. I see a lot of parallels there with, with that hosting. So all these different facets as a photographer come into play. And I think a lot of times, Photographers don't, especially learning second shooters, people that are learning, don't go, hey, how was my 
dress appearance to, to the lead shooter. Hey, how, how did I interact with those people? Was I confident? Was I not? Was I humble enough? Like, I find it rare to have photographers want that feedback. They either want to be like, great job, or they just want like a flat check for doing a job with zero feedback or zero uh, not having it tiered based on how their effort intentionality uh, with their level of pursuit of laziness you know like i had a uh, third shooter to, at a wedding texting during the wedding and i was just like dude what are you doing like <laughs> anyway that was a tangent sorry but the whole point of just being intentional and, and having input in all like channels of the the craft that we're doing i think is important yeah i that earlier in what you're talking about and sort of the mental heavy lifting and I guess the, or then talking with, was it a florist or a stylist that was doing the thing? And you, you know, it was an interior designer. Yeah. Well, I skipped you, over, I skipped over a lot of subjects there. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. The, but this idea of what you think in your head is like really, really great. Having someone else be like, Oh, that's actually trash. You know, this is what's really great. You know, but it makes me think I, I listen to a ton of audiobooks or podcasts and, I listen to a lot of stuff in more of the entrepreneurial space and yeah. the, you know business space, and a, a common theme. Or there's there's a couple books about this, which I can't think of the titles right now. But a conversation around this idea is like so often we think like this is a great idea. It's it's got to be like a 10x return. It's like, but why are you not thinking about a hundred x return or a thousand x return? So so often we think of, I think we mentally shortchange ourselves by not yeah. thinking big enough. We don't think grand enough. We don't, we don't expect enough of ourselves when it's like, actually, it's like, if you're, if you're going to create a company, why not create a company that's going to make a hundred X difference versus just 10 X difference? Yeah. And it's actually like the same amount of work to do, but it has such a bigger impact. And a lot of it is, you know, comes back to like limiting voices in your head versus having expectations of being much bigger, which I think if you don't allow yourself to think that big, you can't actually really get there. I totally agree with you. It's, um, you know, in, uh, in Engage last week, uh, Julian Lever was talking, he has a dapper diplomat, and he was just talking about how these people will like come and they want to fire on all cylinders. And so they're going like, how do we nail it on like everything? And I, I think that, you know, the presentation of, of what we do, uh, and there's so many different facets to expect a lot and and for me like man i i want i'm asking like everyone hey like how is this area you know in the air and obviously there's a timing for it and there's a, a place for what we're doing but i want to know from from everyone and i think a lot of times people are i know i've been scared to ask sometimes but like there's nothing wrong with asking like an editor of a magazine hey what's your impression of what what i'm doing or what this project is like what do you think i mean is there areas that you can improve and it's, and, you know, or, or talking to whoever, and some of the advice can come free consulting tidbits that you ask someone they're like, honor, did you ask? Like, wow, like, thank you. Like, here's, here's my impression. Like asking like, you know, top floor designer you did a project with, Hey, like, what were the strengths and weaknesses of that shoot? What do you think? Because I like working with you. What in your thought of that, could we do better next time? Sometimes people don't know people want to work with them. People just assume like, oh, they're great, everyone wants to work with them. But sometimes people that are like doing great work are just, they just get showered with accolades to actually get like, hey, what's you, like, what do you think? And that's not a question that a lot of people high up get asked because number one, people are scared. Uh, but number two, I think it's that conversation of like, hey, like you mentioned the return, like 
to get better, you gotta dig. You gotta dig through the the dirt of the roots of the plant to figure out what's going on to help make it grow taller, make it grow stronger. And and that, for me, that's a really fun process. But I think it's I think it's a goldmine that a lot of entrepreneurs in our individualistic age kind of overlook. And I think I think we can all do better. And I think we can encourage each other and just learn how to give feedback. You know. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy important. And I want to make just a slight little shift and, and start getting into where you are in your business now and sort of the thing. I mean, we've we had a little conversation off offline about this, but just sort of where your heart is with business and how you are trying to. Sh- I mean, obviously, there's there's the different stages. There's the growth, but now that in this place of being established and having a family, and then also recognizing your trading time for dollars, and so what is important to be working on, what is not, and how are you? I guess how are you doing all that? And it's yeah. a great question. Um, yes, so um, definitely, we're at a point where we are. We, I mean, we, we, we're just keeping the, the wheel going. We're not like trying to push it up the hill necessarily, so to speak. Uh, but we're always trying to evolve and change. But Rachel and I recently, uh, we've had some great family mentors who come in and helped us be better. Just, just making sure that our, our marriage, our relationship, our faith, our, how, how we are as a, just a human, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, how, how those are. And that, that's been, you know, our daughter's going to this new school and one of the, the headmaster there was like, you know, the husband and wife of an amazing couple. He was like, you should have a manifesto for your family, like who you are in every situation, every circumstance. And I thought about it and like, wow, that's really wise. Like, so Rachel and I kind of forming this document of who we want to be, who we are, who we aren't, uh, how we are in this stage. And, and then with our children, like how, what our children do when they meet people, like our children look at people's eyes when they meet them and say, I don't like, and we tell them like, you're going to have new experiences in life and you're going to go in confident. You're not going to go in shy or you're not going to go in selfish. You're not going to go in, but you're going to go in confidently saying, Hey, I am Hannah. Pleasure to meet you. So we're training, like I'm training my daughter to be strong, training her to be loving, to be making eye contact, to be caring about others, to being, to being, it's funny, this lady around the corner, she sees our four kids in the yard playing and pulling weeds and doing other things. And she's like, I can't believe you brought four kids in this world. That is so evil. That's horrible. This world is horrible. And I'm like, it's talking. I'm like, no, this, this world needs warriors of love, of joy that are coming in to help be the process of healing and restoration and love and creating and doing good. Like we need to bring in an army of people that are that if we don't like what's going on out there, if we don't like, you know, the evil or the, the things in the world that we don't like, like you change it by your offspring, you change it by who you are. So that's, that's huge. And, and that really has comes on intentionality. And I think we live in a world where the amount of time, the amount of hours we spend on watching TV shows, Netflix, the, you know, whatever, like all of these things, well, basically someone is curating content, we consu- we pay them to entertain us. But rarely does that impact us as people i mean you do see movies sometimes you watch like awesome clip like amistad and you're like whoa like okay that was a man or woman of integrity and character that's that's rare a lot of times it's you know more flash in the pan whatever and so i think you know, like take for example halloween this is total tangent sorry i'm being random we actually we tell our kids like you don't get to keep the candy from the neighbor you go to unless you get a chance to introduce yourself say your name and know get their name and then come back to us and say i met jane she shared me with some Skittles. 
and and then we're weird. We we trade them Skittles for uh, some type of organic candy or something like cool. But but so we have this map of our neighbors and we want to love them and we want to like just know who they are. So like everything we do, we're just trying to take all the areas of unintentionality out of our life and and make them like on mission for just caring about others more than ourselves. So that's the segue you wanted to get into. I think that's important in business. It's important in life. And that then dictates where all of our time goes. And if we're, would we say what's most important in life and we write it down and we come up with some type of living document that we can just continue to improve. It's like, it's like our manifesto. I don't, any, any successful company has a manifesto and there's a great book called mission drift that talks about companies and organizations and institutions that have drifted from greatness all because the mission wasn't passed on. The story wasn't told. The values weren't upheld. And I think that's so easy to do. You see people who get married and the divorce rate in our country is like 50%. Like, well, why is that? Like, why do people just, you know, they don't wake up, they don't wake up one day and go, I think this is a good week to cheat. I think, I think that's, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to do that. Like no, nobody does that. You drift and you drift and it's so easy to drift in personal. It's so easy to drift in business. And so we, no one wakes up and is like, I think being a mediocre father would be good. I think being a, uh, you, nobody does that, but yet we don't have a lot of people around us that, and of course then we get offended when someone's like, Oh, your kids are kind of annoying or, you know, and we're like, how dare you? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, if someone came up to our business and was like, you know what, you're kind of rough around the edges, like in this area, we wouldn't go, how dare you tell me I need to improve my business? We would say like, Oh no, no, please tell Like we send out survey forms. Like, Hey, what'd you think? Like, how was I been in our personal life? In our individualistic postmodern American society, any anything that doesn't agree with us, we consider as like that's oppressive. That's I, I have this free space. You can't don't offend me. Like I, if you only hang around people who agree with you, you're a pod person. Like you have to talk to people who disagree. You have to talk to people who are doing it different. And you're like, wow, like I really sound off there. Like let me learn. So having a posture of humility, a posture of um, you know, whether it's business or, or family, uh, just like placing yourself around people who, like you mentioned earlier, that are, that are thinking different, that are thinking bigger, that are thinking like, um, in ways that aren't our own little bubble is so essential. And I I gotta say it, it's rare to find those people. Like it's hard, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't know if you've had that experience, but I think we have maybe less than five people in my life that I would say when I'm around them, like I'm rocked, like I'm really challenged. And I think that's a sad testament to where our culture is. I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I think you have to fight for it. Like it's not going to come easily. Oh, absolutely. It, I, I think it is, you know, there's, there's the saying where the, where the five, you know, the culmination of the five people that we spend the most time with that sort of thing. But, and, it, and it's really true. If, you, if you're hanging out with people that I think we always judge what the status quo is of what our, you know, I'm trying to, th- what is the word I'm trying to think of? Like what, relativity, you know? So, yeah. the, you know, it, everything's relative. You could be, you could feel like you're broke, but compared to this thing, you're filthy rich. You could be, uh, you know, so the, the relative, you could be, killing it successful, but like compared to people who are actually killing it, you are not, you know, all that sort of stuff. What do you feel like is the, uh, it's two questions again, the best 
thing you've done intentionally with your kids and family and then the best thing you've done intentionally with your business? Well, um, it's a great question. And let me start by saying this to the degree that I have, I mean, obviously the most important thing in my life is like my faith, my wife, my relationship with her, my kids are after that very important, but they come after my wife and then business is after that. But business has a support family. So it's not saying like there's a time. So I segment the times for it. So there's a certain time where business, you know, is first, but it's not uh, penultimate. So it comes down to two things. Number one is setting aside time to think about what's most important. And I, and I know I'm totally guilty of this sometimes where I just like go off to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And there's times where I have to think, I have to stop and one of our great mentors back in the day said, stop thinking about the business and think like, stop working in the business and think about your business. Like think, stop thinking in the family, what you're doing, just stop, get a 30,000 foot view perspective, just walk out the door and go, okay, what is most important right now? Take like a, like a one minute break and just walk out the door and go, okay, I'm torn right now. I really have this project. It is deadline or I have, I really want this certain thing and what's most important. Like, how am I going to act? How am I going to respond? And I find that to be extremely helpful because we all are stuck in our programming of how we do things sometimes. And I think in any relationship, in any environment, it is really helpful to just stop for a minute and just to sit back and think and go, am I doing this the best way? Before yeah. you, before you keep going on on that, because I know you will. Sorry, how, yeah, go no, please do it. Pra- practically, how are you doing that? Are you doing that? I, what does it look like for you to take that time? So other people listening, like, oh, I think I need to take time too. Like, I guess, what is? How are you doing that? Are you doing that every week? Are you doing that every day? Are you doing that once a month? Um, it can be mid conversation. It can be just like I need a minute to think. Like right, right in the middle of we're talking. Like, just give me. I need a minute here. I want to make the right decision. And it's. it's want to think about this or I'm not responding in the way that I know it, I want my character to be. So give me a second. Um, it could be, it, it should be those moments and it also should be weekly. It should be monthly, just breaking away and just spending a day fasting and being like, I'm going to have zero interruptions today and just sit back and look and cast vision. Uh, you know, if you were going to chart a course from New York to London and you were to, you know, say, okay, here's where I'm going to go. Like you're going to get everything all set. You wouldn't just like decide to do it and then just go. And if you're one degree off course, you could end up in Morocco, like a couple degrees off given time, like you're going to be off course. And I think that's something like you only have one precious life. Like you don't get to redo your twenties, your thirties, you don't get a chance to redo that. So it's all, it's all of the above. And I think if we were to pencil out, like we're coming up here on the new year and we have these choices where we can make, you know, we have information and we have desire to do things. And if we don't have discipline and if we don't have time to create a system for, for that, that what we're, we want to be and what we want to do, like we can't, we can't sustain it. So I think it's important for us in personal and in business to look and go, is this helping? Is this something that is making me the person I want to be? If I'm not growing closer I remember an author, I can't remember his name, said, decide what you want to be and what you want to do. And anything that doesn't get you closer to that intention, that purpose, is probably in an illegitimate category. I'll give you an example. 
I want to be a faithful like husband to my wife. So looking at anything that draws my affections physically, intimately, like whatever away from her is, is illegitimate. It wouldn't be something that I would show her and be like, look, are you proud? If I want to be like a certain type of in a work environment of a father and I do things that don't get, make me the best at what I want to do, would I take it to everyone and go, look, isn't this cool? Like people would look at me and go, that's, that doesn't match up, you know? But a lot of times you kind of like live in this gray area. Our, like literally the world we live in right now, Braden, celebrates grayness. It celebrates living in the fuzzy edges. There is an increasing level of like antipathy and antagonism towards being finite and towards believing in something, towards saying, this is what I believe. And we also live in a culture that doesn't want to dialogue about it. Like if someone doesn't agree with what you stand for, they want to hate you versus talk with you. And I am, I, I'm totally open to be talked like about anything I believe in. And I don't hate anyone who disagrees with me. And I think that's something that like, and it's sad. I feel like it's more rare in these days. And so, you know, we have to tiptoe around and just kind of pretend we don't really, you know, we're just kind of like fluff anyway tangent sorry <laughs> but those but we have we we have to realize like we're living in a time where certainty and truth is uh you know we live in like the post-truth culture right yeah. the, the post-truth era we got to figure out who we are what we're doing where we're going what's not working what's eternal what's what's most what is the the most good and there's a lot of ideas out there and i think the first idea that has to go is this idea where if uh, you don't agree with me or I don't agree with you, then I hate you. Like we need to break bread together of total polar opposites, finer commonalities, challenge each other and grow. Um, and you know, a lot of times that happens in the dinner table with your husband, with husband and wife, mm -hmm. you know, or with kids and you got to yeah. work through stuff and win people's hearts. Yeah. And, and we need to have our hearts changeable. Yeah. Um, and how so. much you can teach your family how to dialogue about disagreeances versus just have them, right? Totally. Yeah. And, you know, we have a family member. You asked about specifically and practically. We have a family, a husband and wife that we invite in and we just say, come over for dinner once a quarter and tell us what we're doing wrong with parenting. Just open book. Just like you'd have a business consultant come in and be like, look at everything. Yeah. You wouldn't like, if you had a business consultant come in, it'd be dumb. It'd be like, People would laugh at you if you like hid your numbers and you're like, here's everything you try to impress them. You know, we should only impress people who pay us. You don't need to impress people, anyone else. If you do, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of authenticity. And, and so why would we hide like the reality of our own, of our own personal character when a lot of people's businesses fail because of the person who's running it? And I think it's really important for us as business owners, as entrepreneurs, which is why you're, it's great you're doing this podcast, is to listen to how people think. Listen to how, I mean, I've been, I've listened to a lot of people, you know, I think I've probably listened to about 15 of the podcasts, and I really appreciate the authenticity of some of the people you've had on. I'm blinking at some of the names, but even just like, you know, Katie Mary was talking about uh, a couple months ago, how like just getting back to business and saying like, gosh, we're in the studio three days a week. Like I'm in the studio three days a week. I'm traveling a lot. And you have three days to do business well. Like, how are you going to do that? Just the authenticity of like, you know, a couple of people mentioned like the struggles with family or the trials with just like getting things right or being humble. Like the, we need to hear that. We need to hear. And that's like just absorbing. But we also need to have people actually face to face who know us. who can say, yeah, you got to work in this area. 
And I think inviting that in is key to group being successful. Like we have these ceilings that we accidentally place maybe because we don't, we don't let people in. We have these barriers of authenticity, which therefore become our ceilings to success. And that is something that we need to change in order to really grow and to really push past those barriers to become the people and the businesses we want to be. And the fathers and the husbands and the spouses and the mothers and, and daughters and sons. Like that's, that's where culture becomes truly in any culture of your family, your work environment becomes beautiful. I just posted a podcast episode that is a little different. It was just me talking and uh, just last week. And it's, it's about, it was from an article I read by, you know, Seth Godin, you know, the name? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's by him. It is basically titled the world's worst boss. And it starts off the world's worst boss is you. And, but I think one of the hardest things with being like a free, like running your own business, being a freelancer is that you don't actually have anyone holding you accountable. You have your clients, you've got to get stuff too. But really, like if you're late on getting stuff to them, no, like, you know that you're disappointing them, but no one is like overlooking you to be like, Hey, why are you not getting stuff on time? Basically there's no accountability. There's no accountability on the way that you set your time, on the way that you manage your time, on the way that you are working, you know, how efficient are you? Like there's no one holding you to that but yourself. And I think it's really difficult to manage yourself well without, without having outside sort of um, eyes on you. Totally. I think that's a great, uh, Seth Godin has so much that's good to say about that. And I think that's, I think you're totally right. Cause most people don't, they don't, they don't want to avoid confrontation, right? Most people don't say, let me call that florist and tell her why, what she did wrong and what he did and how he could have done that better. Like people don't want to do that. Like people, people just don't like confrontation. So therefore like the amount of constructive criticism we can get is greatly reduced. So we really have to ask for it and invite it and be someone who has one of our, my other mentors was telling me, he's like, Mike, you need to have, you need to be easy to entreat. And I always appreciated that because that takes, it takes a way of interacting with people so that, someone could come up to you at any point and feel like, Hey, I just want to tell you something because I know you'll receive it well. Um, and you know, you have to cultivate that. And I think people who cultivate that grow faster because they, they, they have this like culture that they built that says, look, I'm not it, like, I'm not the best. I'm, but I'm trying to be, and I can't get there without you. And I think that attitude, you know, I want my kids to be that way. I want my kids to come up to me and say, daddy, like, I really want to be good at this. And if I'm doing something that's not right, please tell me. Like, we don't want children that go, I did it fine. I did it. You know, and something you mentioned earlier that I totally forgot to mention, you mentioned about family and business. I think my, the freedom for me to become an excellent entrepreneur with a family really comes around how I run my family well with my wife. It's a team. I'm not better than her. She's not better than me. We've got to do it together. And, And being able to have someone who, when husband and wife is together, like a lot of family problems come from marriage problems, which a lot of times come from God problems. And a lot of times if we just like, when we reject moral absolutes of like, no, you honor, like you prefer others above yourself, you know, it's better to give than receive. Like when we reject moral truths and we say, eh, I'm going to be God, you know what? I need to do that, but I'm right. And you know what? I don't care what you think. Like when, when we choose to do that, we actually become God. And then we start to oppress people. We start to say, well, my race is better than your race. Well, I'm better than you in this. And we, 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 I, I see the, the world having God issues where if you reject 
Like you, you have to just replace it with yourself. You're God. Like who else do you trust? Totally. It's, it's a different, causes, it's either humbleness versus selfishness. Totally. And most of the evil done in this world is from people that basically said, look, I'm right. Versus saying, you know what? I'm subject to something that's greater than me and truth that is more universal than me. And, um, God, to create us like, like, look, every person has dignity, even if I disagree with them, even if I, they deserve to be loved and just as much as me, even if they're, even if they're wrong on something, like they are just as much of a dig, have as much dignity as a human as, as I do. And I want to teach my kids that. So to, sorry, make that quick here in a nutshell. I can't have the freedom to be a great entrepreneur and have a family if I don't manage my family well in the small things, which means I really have to be on it with making sure that I'm intentional and we're on mission. And, you know, if I want my children to be helpful servants, like joyful and giving us margin, well, then we have time to have more fun with them. We're not just like, dad, do this, dad, dad, stop. You know, we're not like time out. You know, it's not it's not chaos. And I think just in our work environment, we want to have a team that runs well. If your family's not running well, like man, like your business is going to suffer. Um, and then if you put all your time in your business because you're like, I can't stand my family, well, that's unhealthy. That's that's a collision course for um, suffering for everyone. So I think there's a lot of intentionality. I think for all the people listening right now, my encouragement would be take some time to get alone, just just to break away from all the noise and really just sit down and say, who do I want to be in 2019? Who, 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 what did I not like about myself? Who knows me enough? that can give me the insight to help me grow. What are the, what are the, what are the areas that I need to, to break away? And I think a lot of our date nights, husband and wife, those of you who are married should, you should sit down and go, look, look, scratch dinner and a movie. Like let's, let's do takeout. Let's <laughs> Let's sit down and in retreat and go, okay, like, how are we doing? Like, and sometimes it takes, my wife and I would do this. We would break away. We'd go backpacking in the mountains and where there's no cell reception. <laughs> and we would talk for eight hours. We literally have to move in the shade of the tree. And we would keep moving every hour because the tree shade would move, these pine trees that are really tall. And we would sit, and man, after five hours, we, we got into stuff that we would never have gotten to in a two-hour, three-hour date night. Like, you just can't get there. You can't brainstorm for two hours and go, okay, we're done. Good. We're all good. <laughs> like you really need that heavy mental lifting time. That will give the family focused entrepreneur the freedom, the time, the margin, and the energy to have the thought that you need for your business to do well, to read the books. I mean, I read like two books a month, three books a month. And, you know, if you if they say, like you mentioned, you're a product of five people you know best, or oh, it's also been said. I think I'm getting this right. Who you are now and who you are in like five or 10 years really is going to be the books you read and people you know. And I would say, take that one step further. And I would say it's, it's the people who know you and, and the right book. Nowhere in there, total disclaimer, we don't have TV, we don't have Netflix. Nowhere in there is to say the person you are now and the difference between the person you're going to be is how many shows you get through. You said no one. No one on the deathbed's like, man, like the eulogy. Ah, but he did watch, you know, she, she did see all 12, you know, seasons, seasons of whatever, like that was never said. And I'm not saying TV is like bad. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's easy to have that well up and consume. And, you know, if you were to go to a therapist to fix something or a business coach, they, none of them would say like, you know, if you really want to be excellent, I think you just need to veg out and uh, 
just watch more TV. That'll really help these two areas. And this show for this one, <laughs> all tongue in cheek here. Point being, let's let's challenge each other to be excellent in this new year. Let's challenge each other to to maybe set a, a check. You know what I really like, Braden? Do you have the little so like the timers on different app apps where if you hit it for 15 minutes, you're done for the day? No. Okay, so Apple has this thing where you know sometimes you go into your I don't know Instagram feed or whatever, and you just get like lost and you're scrolling and all of a sudden the 15 minute timer comes up and i'm like ah thank you it was like someone threw me a life preserver and i'm like okay i totally blew it there i just got lost and that's super helpful so i think we'd have to create boundaries for ourselves and go i just need these protections reminders and all that's to say like i can't do it on my own like i want to be excellent but i need I need some structure. I need some discipline. I need some accountability. Like I need encouragement. I need to put myself around people who are going to encourage me. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of us live in fear and I think we need to write down those fears and then have the areas that we are good at and say, this is what I've been blessed with. Here's the gifts. Here's my successes. Put those up on the wall next to your fears and say like, look, I like, I am not governed and owned by these fears. Like I can conquer those. And we need people to encourage. We need people around us that are, reminding us of truth. Hey, what do you think? Yeah. How do you do it? it uh, on which part? <laughs> uh, inviting intentionality and accountability in your life. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is massively important. I don't have enough of that. And, but I do, I do have a handful of friends that I do really respect and I do go to for advice. And there's a few guys that, um, you know, one of them, Dane Sanders, who's pretty epic guy, been in the biz for a long time. It's now is, I've been blessed to know him for the last 12 years. Yeah. Moved towards more of a coaching role and he does that. And so he's someone that I know he'll come to me with ideas or I'll go to him and he basically having a few people in my life that I'm really honest with about how things are in my family, the things that I'm struggling with and, the, you know, to, to help sort of like give me a little slap in the face to either say you're, you're believing your own lies or, you know, you need to, you need to get cranking. Yeah, that's key. Um, what, what have you found to be the best accountability source day to day in and day out in your business? Day in and day out is more so like I am really, really hard on myself. And I'm also balancing a lot of different channels and content. And so if I am not being efficient, I am really, really frustrated with myself. So I try to I feel you on that. Set myself up <laughs> for success. I do a lot of like pre-planning for my day and I start that the night before. And I usually I have the what are like the main three things that I want to get done the next day. And I make sure I start with those few things. So if they get done, now I can look at email. Now I can get to some of the editing. You know, it's like obviously you've got deadlines yeah. for things, but editing certain jobs could take your entire day. So I, in, if I do that, then I'm not getting done some of the other stuff I need to do. So a lot of it comes down to priority, intentionality, and then also I do a lot of thinking about where do I want to be and what could I be working on, especially as we're entering the winter time and I don't have as many like back-to-back gigs. So now it's like, okay, I've been really, really wanting to create a lot of content. So how am I going to structure my week and day so it doesn't just slip by without doing this next thing or this next tutorial or this next that? So it's... I. I think intentionality is a word that I use a lot because I, I try really hard to be intentional and then generally beat myself up a lot. 
about um, not hitting that or, you know, and I've also have four kids. And so there, there's life as well. And there's some, some weeks are really heavy with sports. And so my week is really, you know, like my days are short. And so it, it's then um, just also shifting my expectations. Cause I would say that in my early years up until probably pretty recently, I, I didn't do a good job of balancing and I, because I, I was so driven to either be successful or like get all these projects done that I'm dreaming up or whatever that I would gear towards my family was almost an inconvenience or like the kids and and all that, where I had to stop working and, and I, I'm ashamed of that, but at the same time, it's also recognizing, you know, that was true. And it's, and I've also now gotten to the point of being like, that is such a, like, false, stupid thing to be focused on. And, um, you know, so it's been a lot of lessons learned and, and I think a lot of it too was, I was not being intentional with my thoughts around that. And I was just busy and I wasn't very structured. And so I was just doing, and I constantly had, I wasn't able to get enough done and I wasn't, and it was just so much on the plate and it wasn't very segmented. So there was always a massive weight of, and I was also shooting a pretty high volume. So I think with with the unintentionality and without really thinking about how that was affecting my family or, or I wasn't even recognizing the thoughts that I was having. I wasn't sitting there being like, man, I'm annoyed with my family. It was just coming out of like feeling it goes along the lines of not being content with where you are because I was internally knowing I should be with my family but I had a lot of work to get done. So I was resenting the time I was with them. But then when I was with them, I wasn't really to be, I wasn't able to be fully there because I was constantly thinking about the work. So it was, it wasn't as much like, Oh, I'm annoyed with my family, but it was more so the reality that just the tension. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it was a tension of, of not being able to be where I was at that time. And I recognize now how destructive that is in so many areas. And it doesn't ever allow you to really enjoy where you are and, the moments, I guess, that are really important. Yeah. yeah. I, it's interesting you say that. I remember John Piper has this, uh, authors really impacted me and he wrote down, like he had this thought of like, what if the December 31st is the last day I have alive? And he's like, how am I going to live this, this year, this last month or whatever? And I had this, this, like when we, Rachel got married, our marriage, the person that married us that did our counseling was really helpful and he, he had each of us write down like the 10 or 15 things that made us feel loved by the other person. And that was such like, it was this genius list of like, I mean, you know, the five love languages is a great book to understand how to love, but to actually get it like here, here, here it is in a silver platter. Here's how to make me feel loved. You know, if, if you, I feel like for those of you who have families out there and listening to this podcast, if you have your, your wife, your spouse, whatever, um, write those things down and you have them in a little notebook and you're sitting there and it's five o'clock and you're looking at them and you're like, I have a lot of work to do. And you have maybe you have two hours or whatever. And you go, how do I like make each person feel loved when I go in and I come in and you just choose like character. Like I want to be joyful. Like, and like, I'll pray for joy. Like God, give me joy. Like help me to come in lifting, lifting burden, even though like it was a hard day of work. And I want to make everyone feel loved. And I want to, I want to just, even if it's like one thing, I found that that yields this greater, because then the next thing you know, they, you did feel, fill up their love tank and they're, then there you see this joy and you're like, ah, you know what? That was totally worth it. Like I crave getting off 
and being able to just go do that. And then, and then you start to like rewire your thinking because we all do things because it brings us joy or, we, you know, we're, we're all hedonists to agree. We want to do something that's going to make us happy. It's why people choose to watch what they watch and go where they go and travel where they travel. Uh, no one's like, oh man, I have to go to New York and go to a restaurant over there. Like, this is going to be tough, <laughs> you know? So that's helpful. Um, there's a, a cool book called getting things done. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah. David Allen. Ah, David Allen. Great book uh, of that. We've used, he has this tickler file, which I'm sure, I don't know if you do that, but Asana, you ever used Asana, like a, just a little task management program? No, but I know it. Yeah, it, that's been super helpful just to kick things down the road and be like, you know what, I can't get this today, but I'm going to kick that down the road. And organizing your to-dos by date has been helpful for me because it's helped me keep accountable, but it's also helped me say, you know what, I can't do this today, and I'm going to put it all tomorrow, and I'm done for today. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think coming back to the question you asked me is like, what was... Basically, I know one of my problems was that I always had so much on my plate that I wasn't able to get done. And I I felt the stress of not having stuff done. And I think I've now gotten to the point of recognizing I'm never going to get it all done today. Yeah. And that's okay. And so I think that's been the biggest thing that I've learned is I learned I've learned a lot of things. But one of them is that I, I feel like a lot of the times we're trying to gain this level of success. Sometimes we've never defined that. And so it's never, it's really hard to hit something you haven't actually defined or you don't have a target for. And so you never really have been there, which allows me also not to have lived in the moment very well. But I, I do also feel like I've gotten to this level where I've been featured in every magazine I could ever imagine being like desiring to be featured in. I've been nominated for top photographer lists. I've been, I've traveled the world, you know, I've, I'm at, I've worked with the biggest planners in the world. I've shot incredible, you know, des- I've, I've done everything that I feel like I could do. And you sort of get to this level and it's like, okay, now what? It, it's someone. Someone told me this um, analogy that said, "Be careful what wall you put your ladder up against, because you might get to the get to the top and look over the edge and be like, shit, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and not be not be happy with the wall that you've been climbing." It's not exactly that analogy to the degree, but I think recognizing it's the journey. It's not exactly. It's not the destination because once yeah. you get there, it's not that it's not that like different or awesome. And so, and you still have got to be booking more work and you still got to pay your bills and you still have your family. So recognizing like, how do you enjoy that journey better? And that's a big reason why I do this podcast is like, I, I hope other people listening can hear stories from people like you or myself and, and change either change the way that they're thinking or learn lessons from the lessons that we've learned and be able to implement that stuff today because man it is such a different ball game of being able to turn off being able to be present being able to be intentional and a lot of that comes from having to recognize that i was not being that way and the detriment to that and yeah so so that's been a big thing of being able to like be at the end of the day and be okay with stopping working and actually wanting to be like present with my family and come up with adventure yeah, and that brings up a really good point that we haven't talked about yet, which is, have, have you read Michael Malkowitz's book, book uh, Profit First? Yes. Okay, great book. So he, for those of you who are listening, recommend getting it. It's it's book on, you know, paying yourself first, uh, profit first, uh, thinking that way versus like just kind of getting caught up in all the ruts of all your expenses and all these other things. And then, and the, then the premise of the book is, is, uh, yes, paying yourself first, but it's also so many businesses 
are just paycheck to paycheck and so many like business owners are paycheck to paycheck. So it's, it's a model to make it. So you are actually not paycheck to paycheck. You are paying yourself first. And then the business is running with what's left over, which is backwards from how, what most people do it. Right. Which is something I wanted to touch on that's really important is because in, you know, I, you did workshops for seven years and 2012 to 2000 or not 2010 to like 2016 or so. I don't do them anymore, but one of the things that I sound I saw so much from photographers and you know, this is advice we were given when we were really young and growing is has live as cheap as you can, as long as you can. And Rachel and I grew when we met together, we had like $70,000 of debt and you know, her debt, my debt, business debt, just whatever. And we were wanting to pay that off as soon as possible. So we created a model of living, which said, look, we're just going to reduce our costs and definitely in an environment, in a lifestyle and a business where everyone spends a lot. Like there's a lot of just easy ways to let money totally slip through. I found, you know, consultant, like doing a lot of these one-on-one photographers, I was shocked at how many of them were doing what they did because they had, they had a new, like, you know, five series. They just bought a house. They did this remodel. They were going to like, you know, everyone was living, literally financing their, their stories to impress people and, and just to have this high cost of living that forced them to work a lot. So they were, so, I mean, I, I can't tell you any people were like in tears at some point. Cause we like pinpointed the problem. We're like, look, you're working the way you are and you're doing what you're doing because your cost of living is so high. You can never catch up. I mean, it's kind of like the story of our country, right? We're just going into debt further and further and further. And it's forcing people to do things they wouldn't normally want to do. It's forcing maybe people to force them to do, you know, higher hour, day a week, dual income jobs to support this family and this lifestyle doing all these things. And they're undercharging or whatever the case is. And they're not really realizing like, look, do I need, is this, is this like best? Is this what I want? And I think there's not, there's like almost zero voices out there saying don't. Most are saying buy. And it's a lie that I think a lot of us have lived into where then it forces us to force our business in ways that like we don't we don't really want and so if we get to a point where like you ask the question why are you working like how much do you like if you were to like wave a magic wand and be like this would be my dream life like to have this to do this to 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 be here to spend time i think a lot of us you know again heading into the 2019 new year like i think a lot of us need to assess like are we earning to just spend like on ourselves and pay interest and debt, or are we actually living to have to give? And I think there's a lot of joy in giving and having margin and having time that you can't buy because you're, you, you've already spent it, you know? So I think realizing reality check, wait, maybe we've spent more than we can earn that gives us that time that we really, 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 really want. And everyone's like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like why? Like, well, if we've forced ourselves into this model where we are not like deciding what we want, just letting it happen to us because society's telling us it's tough. And I think we, we all need to take a good look at ourselves and go, are we where we want? And if we're not, we need to make changes. And if we don't know how to do it, we need to be humble and ask someone for help. So I think that's something I just want to encourage everyone listening. Like, do that. Please don't waste your life. Write that down. Like, don't waste your life. One of my friends, Philip Van Nostrand, I don't know if you know him. He has on his on his like little Chrome browser, and you open it up as the homepage. It's how many days and hours he has left of his life. And I saw that, and I was like, "Ah, that's really cool." You know, like you look at it, and you're like, "Your life is ticking down." And not to be pessimistic, but the reality is, 100% of people die. 
So like being naive of that doesn't make it better. It's not more ignorance. It's not bliss because no one on the deathbed is like, man, I'm so glad I just didn't think about what was most important. Like, no, it's going to hit you at some point or other. And so that's my encouragement. I mean, how do you do that? Which part? Oh, that's a lot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, how do you look at, you know, you get a family, like how many of your podcast listeners have families? How many of them are single solo ops? I, I don't know the, the exact numbers, but I'm imagining a lot of people have families. And I, I think, I mean, the, the wedding world especially has moved. It's there's, I think a lot less men shooting than there are women. And I think there's a lot of women that are moms, not to whole different ball game too, of totally. that, you know, the role reversal and working um, as a woman and supporting a family and also having to be the caregiver and that sort of internal balance. But yeah, I, I would, I'd say a lot of people and, and if not, they're going to have a family at some point probably. So um, yeah. being able to start off on the right foot is always a good thing. And, and, no, I mean, getting into this business as a photographer, it's, it's really easy to be living with roommates and not have much rent and be able to, you know, shoot for not that much money. But then when you start looking at a business model that is having to support a family and having those conversations of, you know, my wife, it was a decision for us. We chose to have her not work. And even though she has her master's, you know, and could be working and could be making a lot of money, we, we found that to be a very important thing. And so then there's those conversations of saying like, okay, what does that mean? And, and back to you, it's like for people just starting out and what you're saying is like live as minimally as you can. Don't get a car payment, save your money, you know, and, and buy a car cash. It might be a used car. It might not be as awesome. And, but man, to not have those payments and to reduce your overhead. And those are things that I am trying to do a lot more of now. And, you know, it's, um, difficult because I think living in Southern California with four kids with private school and sports and man, it's crazy expensive. And, and let me just say one of a, a planner, a high-end planner I work with this last week, which is telling, she was showing me her new car and I was like, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, it's used. <laughs> and people don't talk about this that much. I bought, I bought a used SUV a couple years old, you know, it looks great. Clients can go in it. It's all good. Like, but I'm not going to spend, you know, for me, like, you you have to show up a game yep. like you have to have things that you have to have you know the best camera like nice gear show up dressed very well um because we're, we're around people who that that matters to but the reality is like you know you don't have to have all of the back end like copper will do just fine to transmit you don't have to have gold telephone wires coming into your house like copper is just fine as a quote by john piper like there's there are ways to do things where you can have, I mean, I, I, I really like nice things and I could buy some nice things, but I realize if I, there's a cost to everything. Um, so there's certain things that are going to be nice with everything with my clients is there's a lot of time and effort and money put into it. And, but I would rather have the time with my family, with the people that matter most and be able to have enough time to exercise and stay in shape. Because I know a lot of photographers are like, yeah, back injury. And like, you gotta, like you got to eat right. You got to eat healthy. You got to, you got to exercise. You got to have, you have to like everything. Like we don't live in a compartmentalized world. Like it's all together. And that, and I think people are refreshed being around people who live that and value that. And I know the work ecosystem of the planners and the people that work and give us work, like our little business circle that I'm so thankful to have, you know, solid for so many years. We appreciate just that 
that, that dialogue, that conversation, that, um, authenticity. And, and I think if you don't ever talk about it and you just try to show the show and try to break into those circles and try to do that, it gets, it can feel very fake. And then when it doesn't yield you the work, you feel like you just wasted, you got, like you mentioned earlier, you didn't even get one X, you didn't even get 10 X, you got negative. And then you're just like, why did you do that? I think Dave Ramsey says we, we buy things of money we don't have to impress people that we don't even care about <laughs> that don't know and who don't care about us or whatever. I botched that thing up, but I think it's really important because if we sit down, you know, and my wife, you know, she what did, uh, went to UCSD, got a women's study major and very much. And, and I was like, look, what do you want? What would make you most joyful? Like, I don't, I'm not telling you what culture is telling you. I'm not telling you what society is saying. Like, don't tell me like what some organization is telling you to say, like, what do you want? Like, what's going to bring you joy? My wife, Rachel Larson. And she looked at and she's like, I want to be with you and I want to be a team and let's take one year at a time. And if I work, I work. And if I don't, I don't. And I'm like, you know what? That like that right there is a woman's voice. That's her voice. I'm not trying to impose anything. No other organization or quote unquote, like group is telling her what to think. She's making the choice and we're happy. We're, we are so I feel like our family are, I mean, yeah, we're working on things. Like we got, we got stuff with kids. We're trying to always improve and make things better, but we're thankful and happy with where we're at. And we shoot together as much as we can. And I think, I think people need to just stop copying other people's beliefs and go like, don't be told what to do. Like you search out what's right. And, and don't search out from just like, don't just go through the depths of you, like search through the depths of like greater there's something way greater. Like you're created. Like what, what, what are you created for? Like we're not created to be duplicates of people or as a deep here. I'm still wrestling through all this. Like yeah. but my main thing is like, you, you have to be free to do what you're created and what you were made to do. And if that freedom it, to do something destroys you, you're not truly free. How do you think someone, if they don't know what that is, how do you think someone figures that stuff out? I think we have to ask questions and wrestle and we have to talk to people who are, we have to discuss, find people who disrupt our patterns of thinking you know reading books is amazing for that book groups finding people who are in this world like i like if when i find someone i'm sure you see this too you come across people in your life who, who you you and it could be like on an airplane you're sitting and you know it's one of the the happens a bit more if you're writing in first class you sit next to someone you're like you talk to them you're like whoa like you think different let's talk. You just create connections. You're like where it could be wherever it could be at a coffee shop. You just like, I'm always looking for people who are doing things different than me and thinking different. And, um, there's this one guy in our, in our circle here, he's a retired NBC executive that is, uh, he was a negotiator. And now he's like basically choosing people in our little community circle to mentor them and just to stir them up and get them to think different. And that's amazing. It's, like, I wish there were more people like that, you know, but like we have to seek those people out and literally pursue them and say, I want, I want to meet with you. And so I have like some of those people I'm like, all right, can we meet an hour every other week? And I think we need time to think and write notes. I think a, a lot of people approach mentor sessions with zero productivity. And John Maxwell remembers he has like a 10 to one ratio with people that mentor you. So every hour you spend with someone that's mentoring, you spend 10 hours thinking, preparing and writing down questions and wrestling through the things from the last time. Cause I know I found I'll work with photographers and we'll talk about stuff. And then like a week, two weeks, three weeks later, they really haven't done anything with the information. So they just consumed 
And if you just consume all these audiobooks and all this content and you don't do anything, if you consume food and you don't do anything, you become fat. I think we become intellectually fat and out of shape. And we have to do, we have to be doers of what we hear and not just hearers because anyone who's a hearer and a doer is, they're not a very inspiring person to be around. And you create a habit of actually getting angry at yourself because you're not actually doing what you know you should do. So sometimes you have to stop listening and just go back to what you already were told to do. And I, you know, and it helps for me to learn, listen to myself and go, what do I need to do? My wife told me, she wrote it down. Like I didn't do it this week. Okay. Um, wash that off. There's grace. There's forgiveness. Forgiveness is a beautiful thing to just start over and say, all right, let's just, let's do this again. And that culture is so important to not only have forgiveness for ourselves, for others, to let that be the culture of our family. And that comes to our manifesto, who we are and why we were created. And it gives peace because we're not swayed by cultural pendulum parabolic swings or someone that just has a couple great sound bites that doesn't really match up with anything. They're just kind of hodgepodge. We li- I mean, that's like the meme culture, right? Like there's a lot of awesome memes out there, a lot of great sound bites and a lot of clips and they don't really have any depth. So anyway, we're going, we're going deep in these parts here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a amazing place to wrap up and because, and if you are listening to this, put this on stop, pause, whatever, and go out there and do. I mean, I, I do. I think there's so many things that you, people probably know, like you as a listener, you know what you should be doing in your business, in your life. So get out there and do it. You know, it's like, and, and it does. I think there's a big part of intentionality. There's a part of just taking the time to stop and think and, and really recalibrate and say, am I going, am I going where I want to be going? Am I spending more than I'm making? Am I, you know, all, all of those questions. Am I actually being a good husband, being a good wife, being a good partner? Am I serving my friends? Am I serving my community? Am I, you know, all of those different things are are massively massively important to actually be asking yourself and then implementing. And I think I think taking action really doesn't happen enough for enough people. Totally. And I think yeah, a couple uh, just to add to that, like divide offline and online. Like a lot of times we seek online likes more than we seek offline likes and we seek accolades outside the home more than inside the home. And if you think about it, like you're not going to bed with all those likes, you know, (laughs) you're the people that you're raising up, the legacy you're creating is in your home. It's in your house. It's in your community. It's in your culture. Like, yes, you do have legacy that you can do on a big scale, but I mean, you look at the biggest people who've made an impact, making it big in their business. If they fail in their family and their home and their personal realm, I mean, who wants to be around, you know, those people like that you look at them, you feel bad. You're like, man, like you, you, you were too, you're, you had this dichotomy of the life that you're living. And I think a lot of us sometimes go in that route and maybe nothing big, crazy happens, but we have these subtle dichotomies. And I think it's a great point to just check yourself and go, Hey, like what is most important? Like, where are your accolades coming from? Who just define it. I think if you define it and you have it up what you don't, what is it? If you don't inspect, you can't expect what you don't inspect. And I think we need to do it for ourselves, writing down and just having it like concrete versus living in this kind of fuzzy gray area where you just kind of go through the motions and you're just kind of like tied into work and you go back to here and you back and forth between family and you're not happy. Like break it down, lowest common denominator, write, write down. And I think 
I was listening to another speaker at this at this conference, and they every like half hour they said, "Okay, everyone, stop, just write for five minutes. What ideas come to mind? Like, what are you going to do?" And that was really helpful. I think even in Engage, I was wishing they, wishing they did that because you you'll you get these ideas and you're like it's there, and then another speaker will say that, and you're like, "No, I just lost that thought. Like, what? Like, no." Yeah. And you just want to like pause. Like, remember the Out of That World show back in the day? Like, yeah. Lifting it together. I don't. I just wanted to do that and like try to remember like what was it I was going to implement. But anyway, so yeah, all the listeners out there, like guys, like I can't get around people who are going to challenge you to think different and to actually ask you questions of like how are you doing in the areas that you want to grow? What are you doing different? Because it's insanity to do the same thing and expect something different. And where does your joy come from? Like, what's most important? Is your business really? Are you going to die clutching it, or is is it is that a vehicle to give you power to do something and a margin to do something great in life? Work is a good thing, but it's not ultimate thing. And I think we need to sometimes have that up in our face daily. And some of us need to have like on the wall reminders of our of our vices and and our and, our, and the areas that we're we've been gifted at and go, Hey, this is a gift, but it's also a vice. Use it well. It's a tool. It's a sword. You know, it can be either used to destroy or, or build up, you know, uh, whether it's in your relationship or whether it's in business. And I think that we all need to, we all need to, let, let's talk big with each other. You know, let's just not talk fluff. Like, yeah, weather, yeah, shows, great, sports, cool, Dodgers won, great, you know, whatever. Yeah, but, but really, when it comes yeah. What? But how are you? You know, it's like asking the real yeah, deep no. questions. Like, what are you struggling with? And I think that dialogue of like, what are you passionate about right now? You know, I always ask clients when I first meet them on the phone, we talk, I'm like, what are you passionate about? Like, what, tell me about like, what, what makes you feel loved? Like, how are you, what fires you up in this world? And, you know, they're like, wow, no one's ever asked that question. Like, <laughs> uh, they always say like, wow, that's a deep question. But I'm like, we need to ask those things, you know? So that's my encouragement. Oh, I love it. Well, thanks so much for sharing. I loved this conversation and, and hope, me too. yeah, and hopefully it is helpful. And I really hope that y'all listening just do enjoy the journey because man, if, if you're looking to do this as a career, it is a long one and it is a journey and it can take you to some incredible places meet some incredible people, but it's not about being the best. It's not about like getting the most likes, what Mike was saying. It's, it really is a really cool thing to be able to enjoy the journey. So totally. And if anyone has, I mean, if anyone's listening, it's like, Hey, you want a shot of accountability or continuing conversations, you know, I am available. You can email me and I'm happy to just share, encourage, chat, whatever, you know. Dude, well, amazing, yeah. generous offer. Y'all should take them up on that. Yeah. Get you bombarded. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Braden. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Well, thanks cool. so much. That was, uh, took a lot of your time, but glad we got to do this. Well, that is a wrap and hope you resonated with something in that episode because I think there was so much good things to be thinking about and processing for your own work, your own life. And just a few quick parting things is we have been a lot more active on Instagram at the photo report, all one word, all lowercase. I don't know if the case matters. And yeah, so would love to hear from you about just what are things that resonated if it resonated and you know, what are the things that you're working on? What are the things that you're striving for in your business? And also, if you just have any questions or things that you want to hear about on the podcast, feel free to direct message there. And it's usually me, Brayden, who is seeing that because I'm the only one doing this. 
And yeah, so at Braden Flynn as well, B-R-A-E-D-O-N, and hope to hear from you. So stay tuned and we've got a lot more good stuff coming.